to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a young composer and saxophonist from England, Emma Wallace. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today from London, we have Emma joining us. Thank you for joining us, ma'am. Thanks for having me. Could you please introduce yourself to the people? Again, we'll get going. Um, Yeah, sure. Um, Hi, my name's Emma Ravitch. I'm a sax player. I play different woodwinds. I'm a composer and I'm ultimately a jazz musician, I guess. That's the best way to describe me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. When I was in London a few weeks ago, you were highly recommended by a certain drummer. He knows who he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he says you're a rising star, at least over there. And if he says that, he's one of the people I got to listen to and take him out his word. <laughs> but you just recently started playing sax, right? Um, About four years ago, I think. Yeah, it's been, it's been a short journey, but a fun one. <laughs> so what made you actually get into saxophone? And yeah, let's start there. Well, I I played music before I picked up the saxophone. I was a violinist and I played a bit of clarinet. I did a bit of, it was mainly classical music and folk music uh, where I grew up because I grew up in a very rural area where there wasn't really any kind of live jazz going on. So I didn't come into contact with even the concept of jazz until I was about 12 when I saw a big band perform um, on this summer school that I went to. Uh, And I spent four years trying to convince my parents to let me play the saxophone because I just saw them playing and I was like oh my god that's what I want to do um but they kind of my parents weren't totally convinced um I think they thought I just thought it was cool and wanted to play another instrument uh so it took quite a long time to convince them that I genuinely wanted to start playing the saxophone so when I did at the age of 16 I just knew I had to work really hard because I felt like I was really behind everyone else who'd been playing since they were like six or whatever so um yeah no it's it's been like an ambition for years to play the saxophone but it's only been realized fairly recently okay and what was the main thing that caught you your attention i should say to jazz at least the big band i'm not sure i think i think it was the the groove the rhythm to be honest because most of the music i've been playing before was, you know, it was harmonically complex and had a lot of, you know, interesting stuff going on melodically and everything. But I'd never, I'd never kind of encountered the concept of a rhythm section or playing with a drummer or, you know, it was kind of a totally new idea to me. So to see it like happen right in front of me was kind of overwhelming. Um, but yeah, there was just something about it, like the way it made me feel was just really powerful. So I knew that was what I wanted to do. And where are you studying or where did you study? Cause I'm currently studying at the Royal Academy of Music in London on the jazz course. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> How is that school for at least jazz? Because that's a program I don't know much about. It's great. It's very small. So there's only about eight people accepted every year. Um, and I was eight. lucky enough to be one of those a couple of years ago. Um, but... It's it's a really awesome course. The teachers are amazing and the classes are 
really advanced and and they pushed me so which is why I went to college you know I didn't go to find it easy um but it's just a great community and the the teachers are awesome and I feel really lucky to be a part of it and who's the head of the jazz program over there Nick Smart he's a trumpet player okay so before I forget to even mention it you have one single out right now yeah that's what really good sir straight ahead and you have more coming up hopefully right Oh yeah, loads more. <laughs> Another single and an album. So the first uh, single, Voodoo, just came out uh, at the start of March. The second single is called Mantra. comes out on the 14th of April. And the album itself, which is called Incantation, comes out on the 6th of May. And we're launching it at Ronnie Scott's on the 10th. So yes, yeah, it's, it's going to be a really exciting few months coming up. Okay. And who's helping you put this together at that age? Are you with a I'm label? I'm doing it all myself. Oh, no totally label, no manager, no agent. Yeah, totally independent. I just, yeah, I mean, I guess because I'm so new to it all, compar- comparatively compared to a lot of the people um, on the scene in particular who are much older than me as well, I just, I want to know as much about the scene. I want to know as much about the process of putting a record out, of, you know, touring, because I'm touring at the moment in the UK with my band. Um I just wanted to know all about how all of it really works, you know, and because I'm I'm so young, <laughs> you know, still, I kind of thought, well, this is the perfect time to just try everything out and do it myself, like put it together myself so I can really, truly understand the process and the people involved as well. And it's only UK, you said. So where have you been stopping? Where have I been stopping? Um, in the UK, just, just all around, a couple of London dates. Um, Ronnie Scott's is the main one. Uh, obviously with the album launch, but I'm playing in, in Nottingham, in Poole, and I don't even know if you'll know these places. I know, you know these places. Kind of... People okay, listen, know these places. Um, uh, Brighton, Leeds, Manchester. I think we've got 16 dates now. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's just all over, really. It's Because I, I put it together myself and simultaneously dealing with the aftermath of COVID and the impact on especially regional venues. It's been um, at times kind of tricky to organize, but it's been a really rewarding experience. So I'm really glad that I decided to go for it. Okay, from the touring part, what I should say is the hardest thing about it so far? What what challenges have you witnessed or experienced that you weren't expecting? Well, I kind of went into it with a pretty open mind, having never done it before. So there, are, there, isn't, there hasn't been much that surprised me. <laughs> you know, even if I haven't been expecting stuff, I've kind of been, from the very start, I've been thinking there's probably going to be stuff that's more tricky than I realized, or there's going to be stuff I need to organize that I didn't even know existed. So I kind of went into it thinking, yeah, I really don't know anything about this. This is going to be a learning curve. Um, but honestly, just like organizing logistics getting, you know, getting the right dates to fall in the right order so that it makes sense traveling wise. And like also just organizing my band, making sure they're all going to be in the right, right place at the right time, organizing all the music so that it's all, you know, it's all in the right place. And it's, um, it's kind of like juggling a lot of different things at once, but it's been, it's been like, as I said, really rewarding. And the people I'm playing with and the people I'm working alongside are really awesome people who have just been really helpful along the way. So it's kind of been really fun. How many people are you traveling with? How many pieces? It's a quintet, including myself. Okay. And your album, how's it going to differ from your single that's out right now? 
Well, as it's an album, it's an 11-track album, and you've heard an 11th of it, right? So it's going to be, you know, much more multifaceted than what you've heard. Um, this one's a pretty hard-hitting one. You know, if you've listened to it, you probably know what I mean. Um, and it's, yeah, it's kind of a powerful one. You know, I wanted to make a statement with my first, you know, I've not released any music before and I was like, okay, what do I want to say first, you know? But the album itself, it has it has a much wider breadth of influences genre-wise, I feel. Um, you know, there's, there's folk influences, there's kind of world music influences, all kind of just in one kind of huge melting pot, which kind of, I think sums up my experience with music so far because I came such an unconventional route to jazz in the first place via playing folk music, classical music, listening to all kinds of random stuff. Um, and it's kind of a culmination of all of those influences, I suppose. So there are some more kind of lyrical numbers. There are some other heavy hitting ones because <laughs> we love a rock out. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's just... I guess it's as wide a range as I think it could be, given I wrote it all, all of the music in about a three-month period. <laughs> Are you singing at it? I, I do a little bit of wordless, like, uh, singing to kind of double some melodies. I'm not, I don't consider myself a vocalist as such, like I don't sing songs. Um, but when I was in the studio, I hadn't planned to sing on anything, but we were just listening back to some of the takes and I was like, oh, wow, this really needs some vocals on it. And I hadn't organized a vocalist to come in. So I was just kind of like, well, I'm going to have to do this myself. <laughs> so I did. Um, and that, that's it, really. I wouldn't consider myself a singer, though. There yes. are people who can do that much better than me. <laughs> and you think it's straight ahead overall, the album? I wouldn't say straight ahead. It's, it's quite difficult to categorize genre-wise, I think. It's, it's definitely got jazz in there. You know, jazz is very strongly rooted in what I do and the music that I write. The traditions there, you know, the improvising and the interaction between the musicians is all, it all comes from that school. Um, but there's a bit of funk, there's folk, there's, you know, there's kind of, yeah, it's just a huge mix of stuff. I, I mean, I think some of it comes from the fact that when I was really young, my dad had like an iPod and I I didn't have access to like the Spotify or Apple Music or YouTube or whatever. So like all the music in the world, as far as I was concerned, was what I could just find around the house. And he had this iPod and it had like such a weird mix of music on it. It went from like classical Turkish prepared piano to ACDC in like one track. It's like crazy. So it's like, I think it's no surprise that it's quite hard to categorize what's what I've ultimately come up with, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of funny that you're looking at an iPod as an old thing. Because I was around when it I came know. out. So it's kind of making me feel <laughs> old. Uh, okay. Was your father a musician? I, none of my family are musicians. Oh. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. I'm just the old one out. <laughs> yeah. That's so what do they think of your journey so far then? Well, I mean, they've always been supportive of me playing music. You know, they've, I think they've always thought it was a good thing to do. I don't think they were quite so keen on me pursuing it as a career as such. I think they had a slightly different vision for what they wanted me to do. Um, but over time, I think they've come to see how serious I am about it and how like I do feel like now I've had the luxury of experience experiencing what it's like to be a professional musician and to be able to do what I love for my job 
I, I don't think I could do anything else now. Like there, I had plenty of other interests when I was young, but I don't think any of them could really kind of measure up to what I found music to be. Is there a disconnect on the misunderstandings of the music world that you're living versus what they think it is? Um, at times, although I do have a really close relationship with my parents, so they kind of get a pretty clear view of what it's actually like. I think initially they're kind of like, you know, oh my God, you've played at Ronnie Scott's. Does that make you like the star of the British jazz scene? And I'm like, well, not really. Like I could go back to playing a function the next day or playing like in a, a standards in a small bar and like eat, they're all, you know, equally like as part of myself and of people who are professional working musicians. You know, it's, it's all just kind of comes at the same time and... And it's a, it's a huge mixture of just different things. <laughs> okay. Does, how should I say, do your professors give you any, how should I say it, without insulting people I don't know? Uh, <laughs> how is your point of view of the jazz scene right now? Being that they're professors, I don't really know as much about the London scene versus other scenes. So do they see it as something that's going to continuously grow? Do they see it as something that's a little shaky? I think I think people most for the most part see it as something that's pretty strong and it's growing. I think that the London scene's a really fertile environment for different genres to kind of emerge and people to work, you know, with people that they, you know, they would likely not have met anywhere else. It's kind of a very it's very difficult to describe because it's got such strong elements of so many different kinds of music here. Like there's a really strong electronic music scene in the UK and there's a really strong straight ahead scene. There's a fusion scene that's awesome as well. You know, it's kind of like there is so much to offer here. Like, and there's, and it's so much to, there's so much you can take advantage of, especially when you're kind of still figuring out who you are as an artist when you're young. Because you can really just go to a different gig every night of the week and, and experience something completely different um so I think that 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 is one of the things that makes the London scene so I think it will give it longevity you know because I think that it's it's constantly innovating and it's it's coming out with new things all the time and whether or not you think those things are jazz or you know in the tradition because I'm sure people disagree on that um it it's music and it's happening you know a lot of people don't seem to like the way it's going, jazz, because it's not, like you say, traditional anymore. I could care less because some <laughs> people still think jazz is 1957. Yeah, I think for some people it is, you know, and I also think there's nothing particularly wrong with loving that music and making that your passion. But I do think that, you know, in 1957, what they were doing was radical in its own right then, you know. So there's going to be things now that we can't understand that are going to, we're going to look back on and they're going to be historically really significant in the development of this music. So I think it's important not to look down on anything that's going on, even if it's not your cup of tea, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, you have you ever been in any part of, any other music scenes, I should say? Or were you pretty much in England your whole time? I've just basically been here my, my whole life. Yeah, I've, I was fortunate to travel to a few different places when I was younger because my parents worked 
um, internationally a little bit, but I was too young then to even really comprehend what that meant musically. So in the time I've been aware of what's going on around me musically, which is, you know, basically the last four or five years, <laughs> um, it's um, London's been the place where I've experienced that, as well as Manchester. I studied there for a couple of years at a music school too. So um, there are like basically a couple of British cities that I've that I've experienced music in. Although I'm I'm starting to play internationally as well, which I'm really excited about because um, I think it's just there's such a wealth of music and beautiful people out there that I'd love to meet and and kind of discover. Understood. Okay, so who mm-hmm. influenced you the most up until you got to undergrad or? It's a real range, I think. Um, I kind of listened to Brazilian music before I listened to jazz. So that has a really special place in my heart. Um, so like probably like Baden-Powell and Adriano Adewale are huge for me. Um, but when I sort of started to get into jazz, I think the first proper like jazz album I heard was Joe Henderson's Double Rainbow. And that's really stuck with me. I think Joe's sound and his time and just everything about the way he improvises and his compositions as well as just continues to blow my mind and that's that's huge for me and I think it will be always I mean there's Coltrane there's Sonny Rollins you know there's everyone you're supposed to check out and they're, they're all equally important to me but I think you know I found inspiration in a lot of different places um modern like more modern influences probably include like Joshua Redman and Chris Potter um Kurt Rosenwinkel they're all pretty big for me as well they're kind of some of my heroes okay that is a good short list, I'm not going to lie. Have you ever seen the hmm. Go-Go Penguins since you were up in Manchester? No, it's been on my bucket list, though. Oh, okay. um, I, know, I, know <laughs> I know their drummer. Um, he's amazing. I've played with him a few times. Um, and I've checked out a bit of their music, and it, it's awesome. But I'd love to see them live. Yeah. Okay. Understood. So even though you're a tad bit young, I'm just curious. Where do you think the scene will be, at least in London, in 10 years? That's a really interesting question because I think that it's honestly pretty impossible to predict because I think that there's certainly over the last, say, five years or so, um, just kind of looking back because I obviously wasn't really a part of it while this was happening, there's been a real kind of groove scene that's flourished in London, you know, with Ezra Collective and Nabaya Garcia and people like that, kind of really kind of leading that movement, Um, which prior to that, I don't think anyone could have really foreseen like prior to that, instrumental jazz wasn't really such a popular thing outside of the straight ahead scenes. So like that's had a huge impact on how people consume jazz in a kind of wider, more commercial sense. Um, So I think maybe there'll be more room for kind of even more instrumental, even kind of weirder and and more experimental stuff to flourish um, because there's kind of the way has been made for more people whose focus is instrumental rather than vocal music to kind of have their their space to say something and experiment with their sound. That certainly seems to be like a big thing. Like at venues like the Jazz Cafe, for instance, is a huge one in London. Loads of instrumental jazz. I've played there a few times and it's been purely instrumental, you know. And it's it's really kind of... I feel like maybe five or six years ago, that would have been significantly less likely to happen. So it's kind of, I'm hoping that there'll be kind of just more room for people to experiment and create new things. But 
it's really hard to say because I do think that prior to any movement, people couldn't have said that it was coming, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, do you have, do your peers or your friends your age have a lack of interest in jazz? Or you think they're far more open than the generation before? Well, I mean, I think I'd probably be biased because I go to jazz school. <laughs> you know? The ones that aren't in jazz school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I don't know. I think where I grew up uh, is kind of the, the last place I had peers my age who, who weren't musicians, right? Because when I went to Manchester, I went to music school and everyone was interested in music in some real big way. Um, but I think they're open to it from what I can say from what I can see. And like considering where I grew up was like pretty removed from any kind of live jazz. Um, my friends have been from back home have been really kind of interested in what I've been doing. I've been kind of checking out some stuff that I'd say was a little bit more jazz based than just, you know, straight ahead pop music. So I think that, I think there's an openness to it for sure, which is kind of what I mean about the, like the groove scene having opened something else up because I really couldn't have seen that happening maybe five years ago. Understood. Were you ever invited to play on a non-jazz album? Um, yeah, I've done some kind of soul stuff. You know, the odd sax solo here and there, a little bit of flute stuff, you know. <laughs> that's, kind of, um, that's kind of the extent of it. I've done some kind of more crossover gigs um, live, though. I've worked with rappers and, and grime artists as well, kind of in a live setting, which has been really interesting and rewarding and very different to kind of what I get to do say at college so um that was really really interesting but i haven't recorded with them so so you were performing in like the o2 rec sticks place <laughs> not quite not quite <laughs> okay, unfortunately okay. um no just like working with with some artists who do do that but kind of in a more underground setting okay interesting looking forward to that and what's it called since you just finished your first album right if you had an unlimited budget, you could have anyone on there. Who would you have on your next album? And what style would you go towards? Well, um, I'm actually already, I'm, I'm recording my second album with the band I'm touring with at the moment in, in June. So okay. like that's already happening. But, on point. But, <laughs> but if I had um, an unlimited budget, I've always wanted to play with Brian Blade. That has been like a dream of mine for like literally forever. <laughs> so I, yeah, I mean, I mean, what can I say? Christian McBride, Brad Meldow, you know, like people like that. They've been kind of like heroes of mine for a really, really long time. Um, and Dave Holland, oh my God, you know, like people like that. I, I think I definitely have quite a strong jazz sensibility just from kind of hearing myself say those people. Um, but yeah, like, I think if I could, you know, if I had the chance to play with those people and record with those people, that would be an actual dream come true. Um, but I also think that, like, you asked kind of what style I would go towards. I think that that's influenced a lot by the people around you because, like I said, some of them have quite a straight ahead sensibility. I know that, like, they worked, so a lot of them worked with, say, Joshua Redman, and that was a bit more of a fusion thing at times going on. But yeah, I don't know. I think... A big thing for me is writing for the musicians that I know I'm going to be playing with. That's what I've always done. I've always had a band in mind specifically that I know I'm going to be recording with, that I know I'm going to be playing with. And that's been the case for both albums so far. So I think that 
I would come up with something quite different if I knew I was going to be recording with those people. Okay. What's the best compliment you ever received? <laughs> oh, well, it wasn't you play good for a girl, I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> um, best compliment I ever received, I think sounding original. I think sounding like myself. I've been told that a couple of times and that is really important to me. I think especially as a composer, like knowing that what I'm kind of coming up with is something that's 100% mine. Obviously, every composer borrows and has influences even if they're not aware of them. So I'm, I'm well aware of that. But I think that being told by fellow musicians that I've created something that sounds new has been the best thing I've ever been told. Okay. And if Emma wasn't a saxophone player majoring in the Royal School of Music, what would she mm -hmm. be doing? Gosh, I don't know. I think, I think I'd probably I'd be like studying like a, a real uni, you know, a real academic uni, <laughs> probably doing something like either foreign languages or chemistry. Those are the things I was really into at school. Um, so I, I, I speak a couple of other languages and I, I studied chemistry to the to like A-level level. I don't know what the American equivalent of that is. Sorry, but you know what I mean? Um, that's high AP, yeah, so that's, IB level. Yes. Okay, right. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's actually Sorry. higher than those two. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, I think that's probably what I'd be doing because I do think I've got really lucky just ending up where I am because in a matter of, like three years, I went from never having a hope of getting into even anywhere to study music because of the, you know, the fact that I just grew up in a rural community where there weren't opportunities to play and the teachers who got me as far as I have got weren't there. Um, so I think I would have put my energy into something academic because I, I really enjoyed academics at school. So I probably would have just done that. But like I said earlier, having had a taste of what it's like to be a professional musician, I don't think I could do that now. <laughs> I mean, that's what makes you so impressive, at least to me, that you started in such a short amount of time and got to that level. So I'm curious where you'll be in 10 years. And I'm just curious, what other languages do you speak? I speak French and Spanish, um, although I'm a little bit rusty. But yeah, no, I, I speak French and Spanish, which is, um, I just find learning other languages is, is a big passion of mine as well, separate from music. Um, I just think, it's one of the most rewarding things you can do, you know, finding other ways to communicate with different people. And I also hate traveling and feeling like I haven't made an effort. Do you know what I mean? Like you turning hate up traveling? No, 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 no. I feel like when you travel yes. and you go somewhere where the, it's an, a non-English speaking country and then it feels like you haven't made an effort and you're just like, oh, like, sorry, can you actually speak English to me, please? You don't want to be like that classic kind of, um, British person who like hasn't bothered to even learn how to say like hello and thank you in the native language you know that that is just that really annoys me so I think yeah I want to avoid being that person at all costs you know <laughs> that's I, I totally understand that <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah so what would you tell someone going into music right now from your experience well I think um one of the biggest things is just take every damn opportunity there is to play with other people. Because if there's one thing I've learned over the past couple of years is you can't take that for granted. And I really thought you could before that. I think many, many people thought you could. 
And just being deprived of the opportunity to be in a room with other musicians and make music was enough to make me feel like, okay, yeah, this is something that can be taken away. So it's something we need to cherish while it's there because it is truly the best way to develop as a musician, I think, you know, being able to share that with other musicians. And that's not that sometimes isn't there. So I think that's the key thing is like go to every jam session, go and check out the gigs, you know, um, play with your peers, play with people who are miles better than you because it will push you, you know. That's been my thing, you know. I play with people a couple generations above me. Like my my band, like, that I'm recording with in uh, in June, they're all in, like, their late 30s because they're people that I want, that I've wanted to play with for as long as I've known who who they were purely because they push me as a musician and they, they're just so far who ahead. Um, Asaf Circus, uh drummer, Israeli drummer, um, Antlaw, guitarist, um, Ivo Neem on piano and Connor Chaplin on double bass. They're like really, really awesome musicians. Some of the best I ever played with and they make my music sound <laughs> so much better, <laughs> you know, just by virtue of the fact that I think they're really, you know, intuitive musicians who bring new ideas to the table every single time. Okay. And this is the last one I'm just curious about. So what other hobbies do you have? Okay. Um, I'm a real bookworm. I love to read. Um, I, I love cooking. Um, and I do yoga a lot as well. Although that's more of a kind of sanity thing, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I used to run a lot as well. Um, but I need to get back into that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think for me, it's kind of languages is a big one coming up, like keeping up with that, reading, cooking, you know, it's pretty standard, you know, nothing too exciting there, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, could you tell the people your email, where to find you, how to contact you, all that stuff? Your website? Sure. Okay. Um, so my email is actually just my name, emmaravich at gmail.com. My website is just my name, emmaravich.com. It's emmaravichmusic at in, on Instagram. You know, that's my, um, that's my Instagram handle, um, which is probably the best place to find me. I'm pretty active on there with, um, you know, sharing what I'm up to. Uh, yeah, and pretty much everything. You can find everything from there if you find just one of those. <laughs> well, ma'am, thank you for joining us. Okay, I wish well, you, you so the much best for having me. when the album comes out and the rest of your journey, okay? <laughs> thank you. And tell a certain drummer I say thank you. He knows who he is, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Everyone, this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good day. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange. <laughs>